Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Scrapyard. I am your host, Nathan Mulepold. They're joined here by Taylor. Howdy. And Xavier. Andrew Luck retired, and I'm really sad about it. My world's on fire. How about yours? I'm not talking about All-Star. I'm talking about the Amazon. That's not a joke. That's a serious issue. Anyways, today we're talking about the Overwatch League. Specifically, we are going to be talking about last week's homestand, our MVPs for the stage, and whose seasons ended, all today here on the Scrapyard. Before we hop into this episode, I'd like to remind you that you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Scrapyard Media. Of course, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, especially where you're listening right now. What was that name? Scrapyard Media. And if you want to play games with us, you can do that on Xbox, PlayStation, or even Steam, at Scrapyard Media. Roll intro. Let's talk about the Kit Kat rivalry weekend. This week, we lost a few close friends. Boston Uprising, Dallas Fuel, and the LA Valiant, ironically, all kicked out of the running. Their season ended at the rivalry weekend. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, Let's pour one out for the homies real quick. And sadly, the Boston Uprising... Didn't only go out in a... Whimper? Nah, they went out in like a... They exploded. They were an exploding star that decided, you know what? Let's just lose as spectacularly as possible. They went from an exploding star, they they did the, the black hole thing, they hit that graviton surge. Yes, it was, it was beautiful. And Boston, it's weird, because out of these... I don't count the LA Valiant, because, you know, they were fighting for a playoff spot, so it's like, cool. But between the Boston Uprising and the Dallas Fuel Mm -hmm. of the teams that just ended their season this week, out of both teams, I think the Boston Uprising have, like, significantly more hope. Yeah. In the sense that Color Hex, all weekend, was great. He was popping off. He was outplaying, like, Flower a little bit. Like, he was outplaying everybody he was up against, and he was going right up there with Erster. He was going right up there with Flower in the New York game. It's just that, you know, Color Hex can really only do so much. Yeah. But the entire team is actually decent. I mean, Fusions is really good. His Arisa's not, like, world-changing or whatever. But he's still a really good tank player. Yeah. Um, And obviously, he's kind of, like, the heart of the team. He calls all the shots. He makes that team work. And, you know, Blase, for a dude that constantly complains about having to play tank now he's a pretty fine tank yes and it's nice having a tank in there that can play dps you know it's like having rascal who can play support but also play world changing dps it's just nice having that flexibility so boston's just a team that has like at least some hope just with boston i kind of worry that like they're just gonna trade all their players again yeah (laughs) because they had a really good roster and then they're like, all right, peace to everybody. And I wonder if they're just going to do that same do thing same again. Thing. Yeah, they're yeah, going to trade, like, that. Color Hex and whoever for, like, you know, just a couple whatever players. And then we're going to be in the same spot next year. Or, like, wow, this team doesn't really have anything going for them. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. fucking all their good players are gone. Like, Fusions all... is on Washington now. Or, you all know. their good players are on different teams. Yeah, and... who knows? Because that's how it is now. It, it yeah. could very, very well come to that. Yeah. But, like we were saying, Dallas Fuel, they kind of went out with a whimper. Like, they tried, but Atlanta showed them up in, like, everything they did. And 
to come in for just one day and kind of be trying to ruin like a perfect stage and even like Atlanta's top six opportunity and to not even put any effort into it. it like it's not that they didn't put effort into it. It's just it came off like you guys are just kind of here and Atlanta made you guys look even worse. Like, there was some strong players, but it, for the most part, it was just like, Atlanta is top-notch right now. And even the casters pointed out that the person who made the Atlanta team now is the same person who made the Shock team then. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he knows what he's doing. He has these really strong players. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's just going to be rough. With Dallas, I think they're fine. I just, I, I genuinely don't know what's wrong with them. I mean, yeah. you get dumpstered by the Atlanta rain, and then Dogman calls out your coach. <laughs> just, just for no reason. Just, just as, just, because, to be a, just, just because to, he can. Just to do it. And now your coach is, keep in mind, their coaching staff has been getting dumpstered on. Yeah. But now it's like significantly worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Team USA is looking, he's coaching Team USA. And Team USA is basically looking to get bounced in the first round again. So that happens. And then all that is just going to pile on the Dallas fuel even more. And Mm -hmm. I just, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder if it's going to be one of those deals where you go wholesale coaching changes. You just rip down this roster and build it back up again. You obviously have really good players. I mean, you can keep Zach, Note. Unco closer and be fine. Yeah, they're great players. Yeah, you keep OG and then you just find better DPS to replace AKM, Taimu, get rid of Mickey, find another off tank. Yeah. And just work things out. But with Dallas, I just I don't know. Like they should be good. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like you look at their roster, like you guys should be like pretty good at video games. Yeah. But they're not good at video games right now. And I feel like it's just the team doesn't have a leader. Yeah. Well, uh, if you look at the other teams that have lost, you know, that aren't playing anymore, Boston's has Fusions, who is the leader on the team, mm-hmm. and the Valiant have Custa, yes. who is the leader on that team. And then you look at Dallas and Unco, uh, Zach, jeez, uh, oh, somebody's the leader on that team, but, but you- they don't have that clear... When you're in the trenches, who are you going to risk your life for? You yes. know, like, they don't have yes. that. They don't have that person that's going to guide them through battle. And something of note while watching the Dallas game, when they started losing to Atlanta and it showed, like, a shot of all the players, like, you could see Zach was trying to get, like, everybody up, and, like, you could see Onko trying to, like, root together people. But I've noticed since OG has come back, he has looked like... He has never wanted to be gone so much. Yeah, that whole team Every is right. single game I've seen, OG, when the camera pans back to Dallas, is just like, fuck this. <laughs> like, I want to be gone. And yeah. it, and it's not something something where at the beginning of the season was still kind of goats, was still kind of a different meta, and he was getting to do all these cool things, and he was shining, and he was having the best game of his life. He looked way happier than after he took that like break and then came mm-hmm. back yeah he's definitely that whole team is just ready to yeah. be done and i'm sure they're all breathing a huge sigh of relief that the season's over break 
and whatever happens happens but i think they're all just happy to be gone yeah and then the last team that ended their season it's probably the most sad bittersweet but kind of expected yeah. in a way uh the la valiant so the la valiant lost to the gladiators day one yes. which the gladiators game was the one game out of this weekend so they needed to just win a game mm-hmm. and gladiators they get into play-ins. would have been the ones to do yeah it. the gladiators were the one that everybody was like if the valiant win a game to get into play-ins it's against the gladiators, the gladiators because yes. no one gave them a chance to get the shot mm-hmm. and then they go in there and kind of get dumpstered by the gladiators they lose 3-1 after the first map looking incredible like they came out and just blitzkrieged through the gladiators yeah and it looked like the valiant were on the way to a 3-1 or a 4-0 and after that first map where they just exploded out the gate then the gladiators stabilized i'm sure they figured out whatever the valiant were doing yeah and all this like momentum that the valiant had going into that first map you know probably full of energy just ready to go it slowly dwindled down and the gladiators just slowly took the lead and just ran with it easy when the numbers switched when you saw that the gladiators were more in the kill feed than the valiant had been because it had been like neck and neck especially during the assault like map it was neck and neck and then when they came back from halftime and gladiators figure really figured them out like solidly knew what was going on you could just tell like even the valiant fans in the audience took a moment and just kind of like sighed because there was this moment where like it was like cheering 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 and then the gladiators like got like a team kill or something like basically a team kill and you could just feel like the whole energy sink Mm-hmm. And, like, it reflected when they showed the whole, like, panel of players that you could just feel all the energy just go down. It was like as soon as Custa stopped looking like he knew, like, he was good, everybody just was like, well, we're screwed. Yeah, they, they really struggled during that game. And that was the winnable game for them. <laughs> and with that loss, they became the first team to lose during a homestand, mm-hmm. which we could talk about this later, but I don't, it wasn't really a homestand. Uh, and then they lost to the Shock 4-0, which was just, yeah. Yeah. But it was like, it was, it was like Shock during Goats, where they would just like, just trash you and just, who cares? That's what they did. They, the the Shock were just done with it. The final game, they literally brought out the entirety of their bench to play. Like, that That was was disrespect. Not only did they bring out the entirety of the bench, but they like spawn camped them. Like, that's even worse. It was rough to watch. Yeah, it was really bad. The Valiant, I mean, you almost made the playoffs, so I feel like you can't, like, panic and be like, oh my god, the Valiant, oh no, like, let's panic. But I think with the Valiant, I think the main things that they need to figure out is, during the off season. I definitely think working more together as a team. Yeah. It feels like there are a lot of moments where I don't feel that they have the individual brilliance of mm-hmm. like a Washington with Corey or even a shock where just architect will just sometimes put the team on his back or, you know, even Boston with color hex. Like, yeah. The Valiant don't have that individual brilliance where agilities or KSF can just put the team on their back because KSF is fine. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's in the world cup. Like that's cool. But KSF isn't going to put the team on his back like yeah. that. And agilities 
is also not really going to put the team on his back like that. And so they need to kind of have that deal where, all right, everybody isn't the greatest. Yeah. But we all work together and are a fine old machine. But they don't have that. And so it seems nothing like, really works. It seems like they have good chemistry when it comes to not playing together, if that makes sense. As soon as they get all together and like kind of get in front of the PC, they seem to have like kind of fall apart. But when you see Space and Custa and like other members of the LA Valiant together outside of the game, they seem all really close and buddy buddy, kinda like yeah. the shocks dynamic. No, they're you see a them... really good like team together. Like yeah. you shouldn't break that up. Like yeah. you should you shouldn't get rid of people. You should just add to what you have because what they have is clearly a good group. I mean, you go through what they went through this season and scratch and claw your way to the playoffs. Yes. That that's is, that matters. And they did that, a lot of They imp- really they really tried. They wanted yeah. it. Yeah. They did impressive things. They like were the team that beat Vancouver. It's just it's sad to it's sad to see. And I don't think I mean you look at the end of the game and clearly after that map three against the shock, they were very sad. Because yeah. their season's over. But if you just look at them after the game they weren't, like, depressed because I feel like they're all proud of what they were able to do this season. Yeah. Because... And they should be. They yeah, should be. and after the 0-7 stage, no one was sitting here like, oh, the Valiant, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to turn it around. No one thought that. And they did turn it around, you know, stage three off the back of Kareev. And then this stage, just everybody having kind of their moments. KSF had his moments... Agility's had his moments, you know, Space had his moments, everybody had their, their thing. Yeah. Um, so it was a really good season for them, and you almost make the playoffs, which is great, uh, but they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And Chengdu is now in their space, in their s- space, uh, funny, <laughs> uh, but Chengdu is now, you know, in their placing uh, in the play-ins, and Chengdu just had to... I guess they prayed to the right gods. They memed their way harder. Yeah, so congratulations, Chengdu, on making the plans. Yeah. You're probably getting dumpstered, but... You know. <laughs> congratulations yeah, on... You did it. Yeah, you technically made the playoffs, so, mm-hmm. you know, congratulations on that. Um, But yeah, those are just kind of the... It's really this weekend. The games were fine. Like, yeah. I thought... Atlanta and Dallas is now actually a rivalry. Yeah. Because... Mm-hmm. Of the Man, Yeah, and now it's like... It's kind of personal now. Uh, yeah. So that's really cool that that's something, as long as the t- rosters stay relatively intact, um, that's something you could take into next year. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, all right, Atlanta actually has a rival now. Um, so that's re- that's neat. Yeah, it's it's a fun <laughs> yeah. thing. And Atlanta went 7-0 this stage. Yeah, like, they went 7-0. Yeah. and Them and Shock. Them and Shock had both the perfect yeah. stage. And they're playing in the first round. So yeah. it's poetic. It's, it's, really, it's really fun. And just as like one of the the last things i feel like between the last time we saw atlanta play and then this weekend i don't know what the hell baby bay did but he has stepped up whatever he's been doing because he looked really impressive in these last games this weekend yeah. even atlanta i mean baby bay is clearly a leader on that team yeah i mean there are quotes from Dogman, who was like you know freaking baby bay's the man like he's really like you know i feel like baby bay is an emotional leader on that team where in practice he always lightens the mood when they're you know traveling to the games always lightens the mood before the games he's he brings the energy and that's important because they play 
with like this young just who cares energy yeah. where they're just they're going for it and they're all bought in on just going for it baby bay is always like at the center of this like family dynamic and i think that's really has helped atlanta since he's came over to that team yeah so atlanta yeah. plays the shock which will be great mm-hmm. but it's weird because it's on, this, game. on this end of like these two you know atlanta's very exciting the charge are very exciting coming into play-ins Chengdu's weirdly exciting just because they're always like this x factor mm-hmm. like a man could come in plans and be the greatest sigma yeah. of all time just who like you never know just because he can and then i think the least exciting team out of this entire playoffs is the new york excelsior yeah because one the game against the valiant was incredible it was one of the best games of the year but people are saying it's close and i don't really believe that game was as close as it looked Mm-hmm. And here's kind of what I mean. So, yes, it was close in the sense it was a 3-2, went down to the final map, went down to the final point. I mean, it was 1-1 going yeah. into the last point of Lijong Tower. But the entire game, on the last control map, all I was thinking was that the Titans have this. Yeah. The Titans are going to win this. And I knew they were going to win this when they had an A play May Reaper. And Nene is not a, not a good Reaper. Mm-hmm. And he got completely outplayed by Somensu. Yeah. And obviously, it might not be the same meta in the playoffs, but fair. New York just doesn't bring enough for me to really think that they can stand with, honestly, any team that's not like Shanghai or any team that's not Shanghai. I think yeah. every other team beats them. There yes. was this moment when I was watching the Titans New York game where and even the uh, the New York Boston game where there was moments where I was just like New York's really backpedaling here like where they would clearly be able to win the fight but then they just didn't follow through and that happened several times against the Titans and that happened several times against Boston and yeah. still it's you how know, they played during goats like they, yeah. they just they're very reactive but it doesn't, like, it seems like they take a beat too long, especially, like, you can get away with that against Boston, because Boston also is terrible at doing things, just going and going and going yeah. and following through with momentum. They just kind of, well, something happened. Guess we're winning now. New York had, like, clear victories without using ults, or, like, using one ult, and then they would just kind of backpedal. And that's what gave, like, Somensu, or even some of, like, Bumper the energy to come back and just destroy them like there was times where they would not finish off somebody on the titans and they're like right there just right almost there to the end of the like escort map and then there's like their spawns right there titans are coming back you have like two people and they're the supports how can you not kill them yeah and i think the one weird x factor is i think they're not going to ride flower as much as they should Mm -hmm. and they're going to bring in Nene and I'm just I'm straight up not sold on Nene I think Mm -hmm. he's their second all right he's like their he's their just perfectly middle DPS because I don't I don't think Sabiel B is good in this meta Mm -hmm. and Pine everybody on New York is better on Pine things than Pine is himself 
So you so you just don't play Pine. Yeah, Pine but just Pine gets to sit and relax. He's just a fan favorite. Yeah. Like he's not the best player on their team. He's just the most fan favorite on their team, and that's fine. And then May is like right above that because Libero, yet again, he he can pretty much do anything, and he's just so stable. Mm-hmm. And Flower really came through this weekend, and yeah. he. For all the times that we, I've talked crap about Flower just not panning out, this weekend was one of those moments where it's like, oh shit, were you guys just like hiding this from us? He was, like, he came out w- like, wow, you're bringing this out. And he was great on everything. Hanzo. Very much so. His Hanzo was ridiculous. He came out and he like busted asses. Like, he, I'm, I'm serious. He came out after we seen him Flower do some. Flower came to kick ass and chew bubble gum. <laughs> yeah. And he, didn't in the past look as solid as he did this weekend. This weekend he came out and he showed why he deserved that spot. Yeah. And I think it was ridiculous when they brought in an A back in on that final map against the Titans. And work. they it, it, had it him just work. play Reaper and that never works. And like Solomon Sue was way better than him too. Like you I feel like you're better off doing Flower Hanzo and then May. Like Solomon, uh, Hanzo May. Very much. You're way better off, especially because you have even Nene on Hans, like something, but Nene on Reaper, there were moments where he would like shadow and you're like, oh, all right, I get what you're doing. And then Vancouver just had it scouted because all he would do is shadow step, get the back line. Oh shit, they're focusing me. Let me Wraith walk out. Yeah. That's, that's all he would do. Yeah. That's all Nene Very would much. do. And Somansu was creative with his entry. Sometimes he'd stick with his tanks and just go forward. He hit really nice flanks. He knew the moments to really use his ult. Um, Somansu had an actual, like, measured, educated Reaper play. And Nene just played like, alright, we're gonna teach Nene how to play Reaper for a week. Go out there and do it. Because he was just doing the same thing over and over again. Somansu showed up in both matches this weekend. So good. And it was ridiculous. Like, especially against the Shock. There was moments where he just... You would not see him. They were like watching from Shock's pers- like architect's perspective or Rascal's perspective, and then suddenly from out of nowhere, here's Somansu, like just wrecking them. And I'm like, it was ridiculous. Somansu was playing probably the best game of his life. Yeah, he's 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 your Reaper specialist. Yeah, and he's a really really good Reaper. So yes, they're they're onto something. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess to conclude, poor Valiant. <laughs> Rip Valiant. Recipes Valiant. I'm sorry, Valiant. And New York is getting bounced in the first round. Again. Speaking of Valiant, it was their homestand, but there have been two other homestands. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, we should talk about what our favorite homestands have been. Like, what what about each place do we like the most? So, I guess we'll start with the most recent. Or do you want, I guess, chronological order. Dallas. Sure, we can do that. Dallas. We can start with Dallas. We can start with the inaugural... Homestand. That was the best homestand. That was the okay. best homestand. That was, a, that was so, the greatest one of the season. So if we're going to critique these homestands, we'll do the host and how they presented the homestands, the crowd and entertainment, and then overall how the location was shown through production. So we'll start with Dallas. I think they had the best crowd. Dallas, Dallas, Dallas for everything. Dallas. I think Dallas, 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 their Dallas. Crowd, Bryce, was, Dallas, Howard, Dallas. Their crowd was way better because it was a bigger arena. Yeah, and it was the first home stand, so there was extra energy. Mm-hmm. 
and it was when Dallas was they popped off those two games. Yes. And the games were incredible. And throughout the entire all four you know, all four games each day were great. Mm-hmm. The crowd was hyped the entire time and then when the main event came for Dallas, they got up and they lost their minds. I think the great thing with the Dallas one is And everybody was united in being there for Dallas. Yeah, there was there was great moments because at none of the other homestands was there any booze. Dallas had probably probably the nicest stadium. I liked how everything was set up. It was very the fact that you could see all of the people in the surrounding stadium and they made an effort to like really push like hey, this is we're coming home. Like Dallas made like them themselves were talking about how much and how hard they were ready to like take it home and i think that really helped but on to the worst of them la because yeah. it's not i i'm going to say la is the worst out of everything because yeah. la wasn't a homestand it was a special weekend mm-hmm. they should happened to be hosted yeah at they LA. shouldn't have called it a homestand because it wasn't an la homestand it was rivalry weekend yeah that, that just it. so happened to yeah. be in LA, but there was nothing. I will say the entertainment part was interesting. I loved the dunk tank idea. Yeah, that was hitting fun. the fans against each other. Yes, and there are a lot of like other side things, but if we're talking about homestand home games, it was not an LA Valiant home game. Yeah, it was an Overwatch League special weekend gathering. Yeah, I think what was interesting with LA is. They led up to it. Like, the team itself, they led up to it. They were making, like, they were talking about it for a long time. So it was kind of in everybody's heads. But something I found really odd is how they set up the arena and how they shot everything in that arena. Because they had the casters at, like, this weird off angle. So, like, the stage was at this weird angle And then they had the players come in from, like, the sides, which, I mean, they've done that other places and stuff. But they never once showed the full crowd until Valiant walked out. And they did this thing where I noticed it, especially on the first day, where I was, like, I was watching it and I was like, these fans are different this second game, but I don't know if that's me just, like, losing my mind. And then when the Shock Vancouver game, game came around... Like, I was like, so these front seats, they seem to be, like, raffling off or, like, they're just changing in fans that are sitting down here. And it was, like, something that kept happening. So that that goes back to Xavier's point, is it wasn't about L.A. It was about the rivalry weekend. Like, it it wasn't, it had nothing to do with L.A. It didn't need to be hosted by them. It wasn't a homestand. It wasn't a homestand. And I don't think it was ever, you could have marketed it as the Valiant homestand, and it would have felt more like a Valiant homestand because then you're saying Valiant fans come in your Valiant gear, do cheer for the Valiant, you know, like it's a Valiant thing. There but was, it was a rivalry weekend. It was for every team that was competing that weekend. There was more cheers for sh- uh, San Francisco at this event than there was Valiant. Because it's a regular Overwatch League yeah. weekend. Like it's, there's nothing particular, it's... It was basically a stage playoffs. Yeah. Yes. That's the atmosphere. It was a stage playoffs in an interesting arena. Yeah. And I think a weird part about it was that they shot it 
in a way to make it feel smaller than I feel like it actually was. It was... It was because it's... Like, LA Live is small. Yeah. And that's cool. Like, it's, it's, it is a small venue. But the way they shot it, they m- did make it feel more intimate. congested and small. They made it so... And if you're going to go for intimate, I feel like you really lean into it. Like, yeah. this is Rivalry Weekend in an intimate place, you know, to accentuate both fans battling each other. Like, you yeah. can play that off. But I feel like they tried to go infinite, like, or intimate, but also trying to make it feel like it was huge. Yeah. Um, but it, they just, they shot it so small. There was, I think the weirdest thing was, like, I loved where they had the casters. I think that was very nice. Like, Zoe, Bren, and all, and Malik during halftime. Yeah, that was cool. That was a yeah. very nice shot. But then the casters inside, there was, like, I swear, four rows of seats that were maybe three rows full on some games, and then this, like, barricade with Bud Light, and then the casters. And it was just, like, this big... Like, you could tell how big the space in between the casters and where they were watching it on TV and, like, saying it to those front fans, and then, like, the entire balcony when they finally show, like, the Valiant walking out was full of fans. Like, I was so early into the game, I was like, this is really, really small. But then when, like, the cheers were happening and stuff, I was like, but this isn't just, like, these people right here in front making this noise. Where, And especially when they started filtering in other fans into those front seats, I was like, where the hell are these other people going? Is there, like, a outside place where they're just kind of sitting and, like, oh, yeah, you know, we're watching the game on a TV, or is there more to this? And I'm like, there has to be more. But it just felt so... Instead of feeling intimate, it felt so corporate. I guess. And because, that Atlanta was... Or... Because of the filtering of the fans. The dunk tanks were cool and all, but like, it was like everything is Kit Kat. Make sure you get Kit Kat in here. Oh, look, we're back with the casters at halftime. They all have Kit Kats. I really want those mint dark chocolate Kit Kats now, and I shouldn't. Yeah, But Atlanta was another thing where it was small, but they made it, they shot it to make it feel huge Huge. like it actually felt like a big ass arena but it's a it's a small like theater yeah but they shot it in a way to make it feel bigger than itself yeah and that's what you could have done that's like what you have to do with these arenas yeah definitely because it does make it feel more intense i think even next year dallas is going to be probably the best the best homestand But, I mean, there's so many cool venues yeah. that they announced. I mean, maybe, maybe SF will just pop off with a bunch of bears. I feel like, like the Cow Palace, you can do all kinds of weird shit in there. The, yeah. The Cow Palace they do be, do all kinds of weird yeah, shit. Yeah, because in it's there. so wide open. Like, you can. It's a large You venue. can make it an expo. Like, yeah. you can damn near make, you know, the San Francisco Shock Home game, depending on how many tickets you If you sell a ton of tickets, fucking sell that place out. But you can make it feel like. And I think that's what they're doing is this is just a big. California Esports Expo. And it's you're going to have all of, you're you're not just going to have the shock there. You're going to have freaking Energy's Rocket League team. Yeah. You're going to have the Golden Guardians there from League of Legends. You're going to have, you know, Call of Duty World League player. You're going to have all of California, you're going to have Cal Berkeley players. Everybody yeah. is going to be there for this Expo experience cuz it's so huge. I feel like that is what they're doing cuz they have the two different venues. They have the Cal Palace in San Francisco and then they have the place in San Jose, yeah. which is where and they've done And that'll be just a traditional venue. And that's where they've done watch parties. They've sold out watch parties there. Mm-hmm. But 
Taylor, I, I know, know they can't hear my quotation marks. Don't fucking Listen. translate over a microphone. <laughs> so Unless your joints are really bad, you're sitting there like. They could be, but they even say like this is gonna be the extravaganza. This one's gonna be like the intimate one, and that's how those two different stadiums are being marketed right now. And that's how they are. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I'm just saying it's very it's it's an interesting like they're basically telling you hey this is what we're doing <laughs> yeah and some of those chinese venues are crazy ridiculous like super cool concepts and the biggest venue out of all of them is vancouver's mm-hmm. which if they can manage to like actually sell that place that's insane. maybe even sell out all the tickets they can sell out uh that's gonna be huge because yes. that's what ten thousand something people that's a lot and that's yeah that's the biggest crowd we'll have outside of a grand finals so that would be another interesting event. So I think next year, when you know, at the end of the season, we're like, who had the best homestand? It's going to be. I think it's going to be something completely out of left field, like yeah. Washington doing something really cool in their event center. If the Cow Palace thing does end up end up becoming this big expo and they like feature all these different things, that could be cool. The Chinese teams are going to be ridiculous because their venues are like these grand theaters and shit like that. Yeah. Like, it's like they're going to be able to create an interesting visual. And I mean, that's going to be cool because next season, Overwatch League... This is when it turns out that Florida has, like, the coolest venue and shit and they yeah. do something amazing for I no mean, reason. They're, so Florida, I think they're doing their games where, uh... We're one of, like, the actual sports teams in Florida. Okay. okay. So, like, their events... Like, they're doing it at neat event centers. So. Just do it in the middle of the Everglades. Just get some crocodiles and shit. Why not? Why not? Um, but it'll be it'll be a neat. Uh, yeah, no, it'll be cool. it'll be neat. But it's that, gonna be a cool are, season. But Dallas, I think, is a unanimous. Yeah, yeah, best home stand. Dallas is lovely. So here's a weird thing. So we have five MVP candidates: uh, Sinatra, Janu, Super, Gushway, Twilight, and the season's over. Mm-hmm. We had stage three and stage four, but those don't matter apparently. No. Because the MVP finalists, finalists were chosen based off of pretty much stage one and stage two performance. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be funny. It would seem so. Yeah. So I thought it would be funny to uh, decide our five MVP finalists, but only take into consideration stage three and stage four. Nothing else. Stage one and stage two basically don't exist on this podcast for like the next uh, however many minutes we do this. So okay. uh, we have five spots. So I guess we can start with the first spot. Um, and I think it would be interesting to kind of say, first, would we keep anybody from this list? Just to knock it out, would we keep a Sinatra, Janu, Super, Gushway, or Twilight? Have any of these people made a big enough impression to warrant still being an MVP candidate? I would give it first Sinatra, Twilight, and then coming in third, Janu? And Sinatra because he was still a solid player in stage three. And even though in stage four he kind of came in as just a Doomfist Doomfist one trick, he still kind of helped the team along. And I think that's important with an MVP. And Twilight overall is just on Jonak levels of amazing. And then Janu is is a solid, is still a solid person. The people who kind of fall off are those main tank gooshway super kind of yeah roles i honestly don't think i would keep thinking about it i don't think i would keep any of them except johnny because no you know i wouldn't keep any of them because 
I can think of five other players that deserve those spots. And I can think of five other players in the same role that they play that deserve those spots more. Okay. Um, and so, obviously, every single one of these people were transcendent in stage one and two. But stage three was very different. And, you know, Janu is definitely, like, my number one pick for if I had to pick somebody that's currently in. I would have them go. Yeah. But even Janu... Um, Could be replaced. I, I think he definitely gets replaced. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then same with Sinatra, where he's getting this MVP award off of the first two stages. Yeah. Because stage three, he was fine, but he wasn't unbelievable. And yeah. then stage four, he's coming off the bench. So it's it's hard to give him MVP. So I guess who, who, would, who would you guys have as MVPs? I would... I'm still thinking, but off the top of my head, I'd throw in Happy from Charge, and then Ding and DM from Shanghai Dragons. Even though Shanghai didn't look good during this last uh, stage, I think what Ding and DM did for Shanghai in stage three really shows, and it was it was their peak as of this season, but it shows what two individuals who you know can do and i think they really pulled that team through and like dragged them along in stage three see i don't think i do kind of agree with happy because happy has been excellent and happy would probably be near the top if i had to pick like a dps but even with happy i'm still kind of because the stage three wasn't unbelievable yeah. like he really came on this stage and towards the end of stage three um what and then with ding and diem i would only pick ding okay. because diem doesn't really play that much anymore. that's that's true so he's kind of been he's been pushed out of the meta I, but ding plays and i think ding was the more important player in stage three yeah than diem was because ding's farah as i've said before was an inevitability yeah you were going to die it just mattered when you were going to die. Mm -hmm. And D and it's still kind of that case where Ding is still really good. Yeah. And DM's just the guy that's kind of getting played out of his position. Yeah. Uh, now that they can't go 3 DPS. So I would I would keep Ding as, like, my one of the people I would consider. Yeah. Um, and with Happy, I'm still unsure, but I think there are better DPS people that I would pick if, over him. If I were to pick another person from the charge, I would say Shu. See, Shu. I, I would have Shu replace Twilight. I would put Shu in just because he was kind of that bread winner of the team, especially more recently. He became such an important individual for the charge, and he really put the team on his back in some of those games, like in Stage 3 and in Stage Yeah. I think Kareev has higher highs. Yes. But, but Shu is basically perfect all the time. Yeah. And so... I would, I would definitely have Shu be the one person I would pick from the charge. So I'd have, like, Shu and Ding. Mm -hmm. Those two are solid choices because they definitely performed. So you just mentioned Kareev, and I was sitting here struggling. Do I want Kareev or do I want Custa? And I don't know, like, both, I feel, are, are good choices in their own right. Um, Kareev has more elims. Custa has... Actually, I don't know, I even think Custa has more healing. But, I don't know, I feel like Custa is more of a central force for the Valiant. 
and like in of that that makes him a MVP for that team. And it's more it's less about like oh who can perform the best individually. It's about who is the most valuable player on your team. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I'm struggling. See with Costa I definitely get the, like the argument MVP isn't the best player, it's the most valuable player for your team. Yeah. Um and Costa is kind of the guy that makes that team click. Yeah. However, in that same vein, kind of thinking about Custa, Kareev, like these supports that would replace Twilight, I would have Moth yeah. probably ahead of him. Okay, yeah. Moth or Rascal, even though Rascal's a DPS, he played support mostly yeah. this season. Because Moth, one, I think he's just straight up better than Custa. So that's we're fair, also that's looking fair. at him just being a better player. But Moth is the one dude that straight up will never get subbed out. He will never be on the bench for the he shock. Will, he yes. will never be. Because he's basic he's the leader on that team. He's like the he is the shot caller and he if there was a person that I would say watching and I know we're not thinking of season one or season two, but if there was taking into consideration the literal whole thing, I feel like Moth should be one of the candidates. Because yeah. he is literally solid the entire time. There's not, like, one moment where he's, like, not either in calling the shots or keeping that team, like, tied down. Yeah, he's only had, like, five bad games Yeah. out of, a, what, a 20-something game season, so Moth definitely is there. And then Custa, I think just if he was better as, as a player, mm-hmm. as a main support, where he was more, just a little bit more flashy, and honestly, if he was a flex support... Because then I think people would appreciate his mechanical skill because as a main support, it's hard to be show, show off, off as yeah. a Lucio or a, you know, Mercy or a Moira sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to show off in those roles. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in Ana Zen, that's easy to that's easy to clearly be excellent at. And flashy. Yeah. And, and then even as, you know, if the flex support does play Moira, it's easy for the Moira to look really nice. And it's somewhat easy as a Baptiste to look nice, but Custa doesn't really have a Baptiste. Yeah. Unlike a guy like Rascal, which I think should definitely be in the conversation because he was the best Baptiste player. Yes. And now he's top five DPS in the league. That's right next to an Architect, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. also on the same team. Yeah. So, But Architect didn't play in stage three, so he doesn't deserve it. No. But Rascal was excellent in stage three and excellent in stage four. And, and there's no beating his DPS play. When yeah, he was playing Baptiste, he was amazing at Baptiste. When he plays Farah, he's amazing at Farah. There's everything. Yeah. You put some. You tell him to play a character, and he will play that character. Yeah. And it's it's really amazing to see. So and then also kind of looking at tanks. Obviously, Super and Gushui are not MVPs if we take stage three and four. They're no. they're simply not. I mean, Gushui has a kind of argument, but he's been really bad at this stage. Not really bad, but he's been... Slow. Relative to what an MVP should be, he's been really bad. Yeah. And Super doesn't play. So they don't deserve MVP. Yeah, after stage two, I kind of... Even, like, midway through stage three, I kind of forgot about Gushui. Basically, when they announced, like, hey, these are the top five finalists, I was like, oh, yeah, Gushui... What is he doing anymore? Because Gushui got that award before he became, like, incredible. Yeah. Like, he got that award 
he's like the one person where it's like, wait, so you didn't take stage one, stage two into account? Like you took stage three into account? Because he was a monster in stage three. Like the sh- the spark didn't really put things together in stage one and two. No. Um, and then super really good in stage one and two. Stage three, he was fine, and now he just doesn't play, and Smurf has taken his role. Yeah, but so, that's mm-hmm. what they need, a yeah. person like Smurf. And so it's like, all right, well, Super is out. And then looking at tanks, I feel like Choi Hyobin yeah. uh-huh. is the Choi Hyobin is obvious pick, and may just be the MVP straight up. Yes. He was unstoppable in stage three when everybody thought he was a diva one-trick, and he came in with this ridiculous Roadhog, and now he's just consistently good on the shock always basically the player of the match. I mean, if you want to talk about Shoyobin, like, I know this doesn't, like, this is going to take into account, like, stage one and two, but he is currently, like, number five in the league rank- ranks of most eliminations. Like, yeah, no, he, he's a killer. He's getting fucking an average of almost 20 kills per 10 minutes. Because as diva, he was involved in everything. Yes. And then even as Roadhog... This meta is set up for a Roadhog player to be able to carry. Yeah. Because it is so based off of Hog Hooks and Roadhog just being able to always stick around on the point and get you those needed picks to push forward in the fight. So Choi Hyobin is the guy on the shock that I would say him and Rascal are the two MVP guys. And then obviously we have Ding and Shu. And then that does leave us with one spot. Yeah. So I guess who who could take, like, who would be the last MVP? I mean, a lot of people say Haxel. That's a, a That's choice. But also with Haxel, you know, stage three, he was incredible. But even this stage, he is getting subbed out for Stitch. He's getting subbed out, you know, Hureg is playing a little bit more than him. Mm-hmm. Solomon Sue's getting time. A lot of different people are getting time above Haxel. But mm-hmm. Haxel is still unbelievable. It's just Genji isn't really the hotness right now but in stage three he was the best brig and then we also have mono who's another guy that everybody said is snubbed uh the new york excelsior yeah. where he's basically was the best main tank in stage three he's still really good as a main tank now yeah um he's another guy that a lot of people say should be the mvp but yet again stage one and two don't exist in this fantasy land and so this... stage three and four are kind of the only things that we can yeah consider. maybe Maybe FRD from Atlanta. He kind of. I feel like if he actually came in in stage three. Yeah, if he, he had, would, he would be there because he's been really, really. If good. he had shown shown in like stage three, like everybody else on Atlanta had, like if he had found that like light, it would have been great because yes. Atlanta in stage three became a whole different beast, and that was like their definite upswing, mm-hmm. especially coming into stage four because they they come off as like this underdog. And they're like, we're the scrappy underdog kind of character. And it's really interesting because they could have had an MVP if they took into consideration anything other than stage one and stage two. I think I have like a definite person I would have in that role. But Erster is another guy. Yeah, I've been thinking of him. That probably should be up there. And I think I think he I think if we did this, you know, taking the whole season together, Erster would like take definitely be way above super and gushu mm-hmm. where erster has been the best player on atlanta they had a 7-0 stage mm-hmm. he was great all season he was great in stage three which is what we're considering but he's been good all season so erster is another one of those dudes that 
definitely deserves like recognition and Mm -hmm. should be like the MVP if we actually cared more about you know the second half of an entire season yeah <laughs> like i said i would throw out like sure for some of the gladiator dudes decay but again it's like they didn't technically pop off like that until very recently and if i were to give it to somebody who's not like a tank i would probably throw it to erster yeah just because he has blown the minds off of people like he came out and he showed what he was about. And I think that really helps. And he's really like, he lifted the team's spirits. Yeah. And if there was one other person from Atlanta, uh, Endler, I would probably he's throw in there. Really because he also, him and Baby Bay switching in and out, it's like watching Sinatra switch out, in yeah. and out with somebody. Mm-hmm. Where they're both solid and it doesn't matter who you have in. Baby Bay will help and carry through. And then Endler will help and carry yeah. through. And yes. then that's what I think is also very reflective yeah. of these. Teams. So for my last spot. So no mono. Okay. No no mono. That's no good. No you don't want a mono. No mono. Here's what we're doing. We are going with a New York Excelsior player for me. Okay. However, it's not mono. It's not Jonak. Okay. <laughs> it's not Mecco. It's not any of their thousand DPS players. Oh, okay. Never mind. Was... It's Anima. Okay. Okay. He's next to Moth, the best main support in the league. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. He, I like that. I was he, looking at him. He doesn't die. Mm-hmm. He does he, not die. He does not die. No, ever He's since... Anamo's a Lich King. Okay. And he makes this entire team work because of the simple fact he doesn't die. He enables Jonak to be as aggro as possible because possible. he keeps everybody else alive. While Jonak is in the front line yeah. Killing things. So Anamo keeps everybody healed and he's been stage three. Solid. The exact same as he was in stage one, damn it. Yeah. Stage four, he's the exact same player. He has been the model of consistency for this entire league, right next to Shu, Moth, and Shit, I think that's it. <laughs> in terms of just people that are consistent, yeah. Every single game. It's just, oh, look, Animo does Animo things. Like, he's yeah. putting up crazy stats, but it's just what he does. And he's so quiet about it because he never feeds, so nobody ever screams like, oh, my God, oh, my God, look look at Animo's feeding or whatever. Whoa. He doesn't get a lot of kills because he's a main support, but he keeps his team healed. Yeah. And he makes he enables that team to do what they should do. Yeah. yeah. So Animo would be... The last of my like stage three and four MVPs, and then if we were looking at like a whole season, Animo would be Animo for sure. He would be in the he, running he because needs to he's, be out there. he's so good. Just people don't talk about. I yeah. throw I throw Animo in there. I throw Choyobin in there for the for full sure. for the full season. Those are my top two. I think are Animo yeah. and Choyobin. Animo yeah. Choyobin. Rascal for sure. Rascal's pretty based good, off yes. of he was he's just great at everything. You he could does. probably throw in Moth too. Yeah, Moth. Um, and then obviously. Vancouver Titans guys. I mean, Haxel definitely deserves an MVP award. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was a person that's been consistent throughout all of seasons, it would be Twilight because he's come off as this Jonak esque, and he better than Jonak. Uh, yeah, it's it's this new new kid that kind of come on and he's like doing it and he's just solid. So if there was another person that I would keep, I I would keep Twilight on my list. I would put in. 
Choi, Moth. I don't really know who else. Yeah, There's I no one like else that's... In, like, a totality of the season, um, like, trying not to lean towards the best players on the best teams, mm-hmm. because that's... You can obviously skew it towards the Shock and the Titans, because yeah. they've been the best teams. Which is what has happened. It's really incredible, but currently, we have two and two for yeah. the Shock and the Titans, so instead of... If we do end up taking the whole season, so, like, now we're taking the whole season. Mm-hmm. Sinatra for sure. Yeah. Yes. But instead of Super... Rascal or Choi Hyobin. Yeah. And I'm leaning more towards Choi Hyobin because... You're leaning more towards yes, Choi. Because Rascal was great in the first two stages, but it was really when, like, the Baptiste started popping off, and Choi has been a really good diva, and then suddenly this game-changing Roadhog. Yeah. So it's, like, Sinatra and Choi as the Shock representatives, and then for the Vancouver Titans representatives, I think Janu and Twilight... Yeah. I think they nailed it with Janu and Twilight yeah. because Janu is another player like Animo who will literally do the exact same things every game. He will do everything you need him to do and never fuck up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the same with Twilight. That's, that's what you need. Yeah, he'll do everything you need to do and Twilight will just not screw up. Out of all of the out of the players who are up right now. Because here's here's my problem with like the MVP. Sinatra's gonna win because it's a popularity contest. Yeah. It's not... He, he's winning the fan it, vote, yeah. and he's gonna win the coaches vote and all that. Yeah, like, there's no way he can't, like, yeah. it's more of a popularity he's contest. He's basically already won the the casters vote. Everyone knows he's going to win. Yeah. yeah. So, like, here's my thing. Who do you think actually deserves it based on gameplay solely? Nothing to do with who they are as a person, anything like that. Do you think it's Sinatra, or would you, would you think it was some? Do would, you actually agree for the whole season? Yeah, so not, I think I, I think I out still, of all these, out of these five nominees, um, Sinatra, Johnny, Super, Gushoi, and Twilight, Sinatra. Sinatra. I think you, I think you truly get the most value out of him. Yeah. Like, That's fair, yeah. and that is what it is—the most valuable player. Yeah, and and if, you can't really take points off of Sinatra for not playing when Twilight is getting benched for Repel. Yeah. That's fair. So Twilight is also not playing as much as he did in the first three stages. So any, like, oh, well, Twilight, he's actually playing. Like, that that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. You know, Twilight is getting benched some games. Sinatra gets benched some games. It can't go to Super. That's just it's, not. No, Super is, doesn't, Super and Gushui, no. Nah. No. Janu yeah. definitely has a great case. However, I I just still think Sinatra Sinatra did so well. Sinatra's first, first two stages. Yeah were so unbelievable, and then stage three, he was really, really, really good. And this stage, when he comes in, he changes the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. You know, he doesn't come in all the time because they need other things just based off the meta, but anytime Sinatra comes in on Doomfist, Tracer, he's a game-changing player, and it, he warps the game around him. When he comes in on Doomfist, that warps the other team's strategy Yeah. because his Doomfist will completely 1v6 your whole team. And yeah. I, and it's always interesting because they don't bring him in on, like, map 2. They'll let the, like, it go to the break where they go back and the coaches are like, okay, this is what we gotta run. And then they'll be like, oh, did we mention Sinatra is coming in for King's Row? And then it, like, throws it just that, yeah. that curveball into what strategy they were pushing towards. He's their, he's their ringer, as you, you may say. Exactly. Yeah. So I think Sinatra deserves it. 
Yeah, more. I think, and, he's, I think he's earned it. And any like, oh, he's benched now. Like, I don't think that that matters anymore because Twilight, the other person that everybody says should win this, is also getting benched. Yeah. In moments, like he still comes in, but he's on the bench sometimes. So it's what happens. It's, it's just, when the, it's meta, how the meta is, yeah, yeah. When the meta changes, people disappear. Yeah, and if honestly, if the Titans. Alright, they wouldn't sub Janu, but it's kind of the deal where the Titans kind of have to play Janu. Yeah. You, you ain't really got another option. Yeah. So you're going to play Janu. It's the same with Mecco and Mono. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then New York Excelsior ain't got no other tanks, homie, so you're playing. Like, we have no choice but to play you. Yeah. But the San Francisco Shock have every DPS on Earth. And so, yeah, you're going to you're gonna rotate them out. And the Vancouver Titans <laughs> like the NYXL they got every game. yes yes and so the Vancouver Titans have really good support player like Rappel has been great yeah and so you know what all right you don't really need <laughs> you don't really need Twilight yeah, in there it's 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 just good and it's all fine Sinatra deserves it yeah I, Sinatra's definitely the MVP he is I'm glad we're in agreement yeah. <laughs> but also and the podcast but also Sinatra would have a tougher race if we took the whole season in con- into consideration. Yes. Mm-hmm. But even then, I think Sinatra would still have it because his stages one and two were incredible. His stage three was very, very good. Mm-hmm. And his stage four is game-changing yeah. when he comes in. Yeah. So the whole season totality, you know, you throw Kareev in there, Kareev was only really good half the season. Yeah. Like, that's when he broke out. Um, mono, consistent, but this stage, it's, it's not really working out. So And... There's only so much. Sinatra just has warped the there's, game every stage. There's mm-hmm. things with this also. These are the showiest kind of players. So, obviously, even taking into Animo or Moth and all these other supports that kind of just quietly do things, and even Choi, who does, like, like quiet things, even then, it wouldn't be... It's not taken into consideration because they don't have these big plays in mind. Like, yeah. you can't name one crazy thing Moth has done or name one crazy thing Choi has done. It's like 26 hours of D.Va in the Overwatch League. Well, yeah, that's... Yeah. But the concept... The concept but, that's not, but that's not, like, a crazy thing on, on the stage. But yeah. Like, yeah. So there's your 2019 MVP Sinatra. That's all we have time for today. Remember, if you want to find anything more, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram for a little bits and bobs there. At Scrapyard Media, if you want to play games with us, do that on Xbox, PlayStation, or Steam. At Scrapyard Media. And finally, if you want to enjoy some quality time listening to a podcast about Overwatch League, you can find it right here, Scrapyard Media, anywhere you listen to podcasts, especially where you are right now. Roll outro! Roll outro!